Hello. So, what's your name and what's your last album? What's going on? My name is Torre, and my last album is called Entitled. And you funded that album on Kickstarter, correct? Yeah, I did um, a, pr- a, p- a portion of it. You know, I mean, the Kickstarter raised uh, a little over 10000 uh, Anybody who knows how to really make an album knows it takes a lot more than 10000 to do it. But, um, you know, Kickstarter was a cool, a cool way to raise some funds towards it, for sure. Yeah, and also, like... Uh... How did how did the Kickstarter perform to like traditional pre-orders? Because I always wonder like how pre-orders work in like on iTunes and stuff like that. Um, I mean, you know, the Kickstarter it was so many different um, rewards that people had selected. You know, and then everybody who who backed the Kickstarter um, automatically pre-ordered the album because I was part of every reward is to get you know a download a digital download of the album. Um, so I guess it was a little different from like a traditional pre-order that you would do on a you know for CDs on the site or that you would do on iTunes. Um, but you know, I mean, if you if you just go by based off of the backers, you know, we had two hundred plus. So you say we had two hundred plus pre-orders on the album as well. Okay. Uh, did the did the Kickstarter end up having like a big creative impact on the product? Like, did you go to the fans and like try and see what they wanted to see out of the album? Or no, it was always already kind of in motion. You know, um, the Kickstarter for me it was like, how do I get for one? How do I let the people know that there's a project? You know, being created. Um, how do I get them involved? And you know. Um, also, how do I make sure that they understand that they are a part of the process? You know, people always tell me, yo, I played your song at my wedding. They played your song at my graduation or, you know, people tattoo lyrics or pictures or whatever. Right. So um, obviously the music is impacting people's lives as a part of their lives. So I just wanted everybody who supported it and backed it to know that they were a part of the album as well. And that's why one of the cool rewards was actually getting shouted out on the album if you selected that reward. You know, so on the outro, you know, I named like three or four. Um, what is wrong with you? I named like three or four um, of the actual backers who selected that reward. You know, so, you know, creatively, I kept it, you know, doing what I do. Um, but I wanted the people to be a part of the process along the way. Do you, do you think that there's like a lot of future for hip hop albums made on Kickstarter? Come, come, come say hi to the people. One. My hair isn't done. That's all right. My hair isn't done either. That's why I got the hat on. <laughs> um, there you go. All right. Hello. Beat it. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. I think that because um, traditionally the way people go about putting out albums and the way people go about um, buying albums is changing. You know, it's, it's, it's a different ball game. Everything has gone digital. And, you know, nine times out of ten, if you want to hear some music, you don't have to necessarily go out and buy it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you do want to support some of your favorite artists, then I think Kickstarter or crowdfunding is a, is a dope way to, to get involved with that. You know, um, I saw De La Soul was doing, did yeah. one, and I thought that was super dope, and TLC did one, and I thought that was super cool, and, um, you know, people had presented it to me a few times, like, won't you do a Kickstarter for your new album, and I was like, like, for what? Like, you know, I didn't really understand all of the, the mechanics behind it, so once I kind of just sat down and did the research, I was like, okay, it's a cool way to um, engage the audience, you know, get them excited about it, get them talking about it, and, um, again, you know, kind of tear off where my audience was you know there was the the ten dollar person who was like yo when the album comes out send me my link and i'm good yeah. and then you know there was the fifty dollar person and then there was the five hundred dollar person so it gave me a um it gave me more input as to who my audience was and who was willing to kind of do what you know mm-hmm. to kind of level off where they are in this level of support i thought it was good too like i'm assuming you're based out of new york and 
because the yeah, New York roughly. listening party was there. So, it, and that has like such a, I imagine, a big like hip hop purchasing audiences in New York. So you're able to like leverage that into like a listening right. party that made sense and like a way right. to have fans come to it. Which I bet if you did that normally, it'd be a bit of a hassle trying to like vet people and. Yeah, you know the listening. Um, so we did two. We did a couple of different things. We did like a private industry one. Um, with some of the producers and, you know, industry people, press people. And then I actually invited some of the Kickstarter backers to that. And then I did a really cool one where I actually went to one of the backers' uh, house. I went to yeah. my man Hank. I went to his house out in Long Island, and it was dope. I played him the album early, and it was just me, him, and his, his wife, his brothers, and his friends. And we just chilled out and ate pizza and, you know, had a few drinks and just listened to the album and talked hip-hop and talked life. And, you know, that was super cool for me just to um to meet somebody that I normally probably wouldn't have met, normally wouldn't have been at their place, you know, but just to understand that, you know, his level of support for me in turn turned into me wanting to support him and the things that he was doing, too. So it was it was dope. Just an opportunity to meet somebody who's really a supporter. And he knew more of my songs than I did. He was <laughs> shit. And I was like, yo, what song is that from? Like, I don't even remember. Like, you know, I got eight projects at this yeah. point. I've been doing it 10 years. So. You know, but he, he said he was a post. He's a post postal worker, a mailman. And so he said he just put his headphones on and he take his mail and he just go on his route. And all he do is listen to music all day. So he got time to really listen and dissect everything. Um, uh, segwaying from that, uh, when did Morgan Freeman get his driver's license? <laughs> a really long time ago. <laughs> like, Did you have a time in, in uh, mind when you thought of that? You know, I felt like it was like a cool little line in a double entendre because for one, obviously Morgan Freeman is old as hell, right? So yeah. you would assume he got his driver's license. And he's been really... old. Like, that song's not new. <laughs> right, right. He was old <laughs> right. then, so. He's older, exactly. And then also because he did the movie Driving Mrs. Daisy, where, you know, it was based in old times. Like, he was the black uh, chauffeur, black driver for this white woman. So obviously that was old times. And being that he was driving, he had to have his license. So it was just like me kind oh. of playing with two different ideas you know what i'm saying that's even better than i initially thought i mean the genius page for uh that song right, yeah, isn't yeah, filled out so it's not yeah it's not all the way uh annotated right <laughs> um speaking of media like on your show how how is it like hearing other rappers rap in like a kind of press press role like are you inspired by like the guests you have on your show and hearing hearing them rap and and <laughs> sometimes sometimes so you know obviously i put out a certain sound and i'm cut from a certain cloth and brand of hip-hop um unfortunately that that does not pay all of the bills in my life and so as i was just kind of venturing off into doing other things and figuring out ways to you know still be able to make the music i love and do what i love to do but also to sustain my living pay for this nice condo in yeah. the background and that little that little human being that you just saw that's my daughter <laughs> Uh, and I have a son as well. So it's just like, you know, I have a, reg a real life and um, it, it costs a lot to live in the city in New York. And so um, radio was just a, a dope kind of like platform to be a part of, you know, and I feel like it's like a natural progression. As an MC. you know, I talk to people. Normally it's about three and a half minutes and it's over a really dope beat. Yeah. Um, but I can kind of extend that into a whole full conversation. And that's really what, you know, the radio is for me. It's just an extension of me being an MC on the mic is MC and on the radio. As far as the guests, you know, it's, um, it's a company, it's a corporation and it's give and take, you know, I don't ever do anything that I'm totally against. Um, but I do, I do, um, 
keep my mind open to different artists or people that I might not have normally have listened to. You know, I keep my mind open because as much as I want to get like a boss on the show and a J. Cole and guys mm-hmm. like that, you know, that I rock with, you know, I also got to make room for some of the newer guys, you yeah. know, like having a dope conversation with Wiz Khalifa, who's a really good guy. And I mention him just because anytime I post Wiz or, you know, I'm out with Wiz or whatever, the, my core audience always has so much negative shit to say. And I'm like, yo, mm. Wiz, uh, he's a really dope person. You know what I'm saying? Whether you like the music or not is one thing. But he's a dope dude. He's a dope person. And at the end of the day, he's putting out records and he's doing what he does and he supports his family. And I got to have nothing but respect for that. So, you know, it, it gives me an opportunity to meet new people and it gives me a chance to open up my mind and not be so closed minded. You know, that's one thing I really dislike about some of the hip hop purists is that they are a little closed minded. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't even know you had the show till I watched like a little Dicky interview. Okay. Oh, like the little Dickie, right? Yeah, yeah. Dicky is cool. So what it does is it works in so many different ways, right? Because... Obviously, if Little Dicky has, he has a huge audience and yeah. following. So Dicky's audience will follow him to whatever he's doing. So if he's on my show, that opens them up to A, my show, and B, you know, that might turn them on to another interview with somebody else. So it might turn them on to a Torrey song or yeah. something like that. So it all works together. Like it's the synergy yeah. of, of the way I kind of designed it. You know, but shout out to Liddy, Little Dicky. He's dope too. Yeah, it's uh, another Kickstarter. <laughs> Another yeah, Kickstarter yeah. He artist. Killed he killed it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, like, I like a lot of different types of hip hop, but um, it's just cool seeing like different, like now there's like subgenres of like almost joke rap. Right. Like right. he's doing joke. He he took what like Lonely Island did and right. took it and to a level now where I don't even want to hear a little like a Lonely Island song because <laughs> they're not like getting guest features in like appropriate ways. Like he got Snoop Dogg and T Pain and. Yeah, no, nah, he um, killed it. He killed it. I was, I was, um, when I got onto Dickie and I saw, you know, that he did his Kickstarter and how well it was funded. And then I started listening to the music. I was like, yo, I got to showcase this. Like, this yeah. is dope. It's not straight from the projects, from the street selling crack. It's not that brand of hip hop, but every brand of hip hop is different and everything shouldn't be the same. So, yeah. you know, as much as I can appreciate, you know, what Nas does and what, you know, uh, somebody from the West Coast, Kendrick does. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I can appreciate what a Dicky does as well. Yeah. They're gonna, they're Especially because, like, being genuine is so exactly. important it's to the hip hop fan. It, it's still keeping it real. Whatever your real is, I'd rather a little Dicky who gives me his reality than somebody lie about, you know, being the biggest drug dealer in the world, yeah. knowing that they were a corrections officer. Yeah. And I, and I think that genuine nature is probably what allowed him to get the Fetty Wap features and the T-Pain features. Like, it's kind of nuts, the people that he was able to work with on that album. Um, speaking of media and, I guess, freshmen in a way with Lil Dicky, like, how important do you think the, like, freshman 10 and the BT ciphers are to, like, new MCs breaking in? Uh, it's really important. You know, I think a lot of guys, that's that's like that real stamp like that real validation that you know that they are making some headway and that people are paying attention and it puts them in front of a a large audience you know where whereas it's so hard to break an artist these days and it's so hard to really get people to pay attention because everybody's so kind of caught up in their life you know it's certain things that people stop and they they look at and the freshman cover is definitely one of those things and i think the bt cypher you know most people tune in just for the cypher so yeah that's pretty much i mean I, bt right. is not cheap to get in canada so <laughs> right the so most are pretty people, much 
are checking for that cipher. So, you know, when you look and you hear somebody that you might not have been up on, you know, right before they start spitting and they jump on and they kill it, you know, you automatically go to the Twitter or you go to YouTube and you start searching shit. And, you know, it's dope. It's a, it's a great platform for new artists to kind of break into, you know, other people's eyes and ears. Have you have you done you haven't done the BET Cypher? Have you? I haven't. I was I was actually thinking about kind of pushing for it this year. They never called me, and so I always <laughs> felt the way about it, like how you know. But yeah. sometimes you gotta be proactive. So I might actually get on my uh, proactive. Well, it's usually themed. So like, yeah, yeah. I maybe gotta if, ask- if you got like, and if Angie had a sixteen, maybe you could do like a radio, <laughs> <laughs> like try maybe. and get as many radio personalities no, no, together. No, 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 wait. It would be me, right? It would yeah. be Heather B because she's a she's a radio personality. Yeah. Um, it would be Ludacris, right? Get Luda in there. Oh, he had um, one of the better B two ciphers, the one with him, Busta, two chains, and that other guy. Sorry about not- the other guy, but he just didn't have the career <laughs> that the other three had. We could do a radio theme for yeah. sure. I, um, I'm not going to give away what I think my theme should be, though. I'm not going to give it away yet. Do you have something like prepared? Rhyme wise, no, no. Okay. It would, it would, it would, it would be like you know. Once I knew that it was going to happen, then I would. I mean, if they called me tomorrow and was like, "Show up tomorrow," of course I would have a verse. But yeah. actually having something really written and catered to that audience, I don't. Yeah, because I'd be, that's yeah. A, so that's a big platform. So when you do it, like you got to do it all the way right, you yeah, know. And I, mean, I know I, some guys. They get the last minute call, and it's kind of unfair to them because they just gotta use a random verse. But yeah, and I think I think it's uh, I think people take it very seriously, and I think that's why it's maintained its like relevancy and excitement because it's just like it's a lot of the rappers like the best spin they're gonna do is that cipher. Exactly. Um, and you also have no idea. Like I wasn't expecting like a the Red Man and Eric Sermon one. That was dope. Like, that was out of nowhere. Keith Murray um, was going crazy. <laughs> Um, speaking of features, like how competitive do you get with features? Um, not so competitive, honestly. And, and that might be probably to my disadvantage. Like when I do a record with somebody, I'm trying to make a dope record. I'm not necessarily trying to like chop their head off or embarrass or show anybody up. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always friendly competition. Like, you know, you, I wouldn't, I don't put nobody trash on records with me and I don't do records with anybody that's trash. So it's always like, make sure you do your thing, make sure you show up, mm-hmm. but I'm never like just trying to like put you on a record and kill you. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that's never my thing. Um, maybe I should sometimes. Is there a lot of like back and forth? Like do you hear his, and then you gotta go back? Does that happen a lot with you or are you pretty? In a, in a perfect world, I either like to just send the beat or we get in the studio together and we work on the feature. That's a perfect world because now we both got this blank canvas and whatever you do and whatever I do, has no bearing on each other because we both kind of come in from our own point of view. Um, sometimes you have to send the song already done with your verse on it, and then it's let somebody fill in the bank blanks, which kind of gives them, you know, the upper hand, if you will, and because they already know where you're coming from, so they know where they need to go and take it. You know, so it happens sometimes. Like I said, I would I would much rather just do a record with somebody in the studio or just send them the beat, but. It was a few times on the album, actually, I had to send the whole joint in the shows. <laughs> yeah, did, uh, with, uh, with Clap Shit Up, which is, um, I'm a big Fonte fan, so, how did, did that, was that like you just sent it off, and, or were you guys able to get in together and do that together? No, so, Fonte and I, you know, I had worked with Fonte a few times, you know, he was on a mixtape of mine, I was on the Last Little Brother album, and that's my, that's my dude. When we started working on The Breaks, um, the movie for VH1, yeah. We started kicking it and chopping it up and seeing each other more often. 
And um, I had somebody else actually that I was that I was doing clap shit up with, honestly. And um, can you say it who it is? Um, it was Royce. Ooh. It was Royce, and um, you know Royce was working and he got busy and shit. And I was always yeah. thinking like maybe it should be us three anyway. Um, but when Royce didn't when when Royce when it didn't pan out with Royce, um, I was like, yo, tell you I got this record on my album. I think you would be dope on it. And so when I sent it to him, I just sent him everything because I set the song off. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And um, yeah, he 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 came in and killed, he came in and killed shit. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, your your verse, like, listen to that song again, as much as a Fonte fan as I am, um, I think I think I like your verse more. I mean, they both dope, you know, like yeah. I said, he, he came in, I wouldn't have put him on a record if I didn't know he was going to come in and smash it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, it's a good it's a good balance, like, you guys exactly. both, both did right. very it's well. Not, I'm not trying to, like I said, man, I'm not trying to one-up anybody or do a record with somebody that I feel like I'm a chill and... You know what I'm saying? Like, cause what's the fun in that? I want people to be divided. I want somebody to say, "Yo, Fonte killed you," and I want somebody to turn around and say, "Nah, Tour Ratio was ill." Like, yeah. that's what makes a dope song. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Like, if it, it was just one sided, right? If it was just one sided, you know, people wouldn't care as much. It wouldn't be as passionate. So, shout out to Fonte. I knew he was going to catch a body. Like, yeah. even though people see him doing foreign exchange and you know, what I'm saying like singing and dancing on stage. Like, don't ever get it confused. Like, he's not one of the best MCs ever. Yeah, I mean, he's he's easily in my top five. It varies depending on mood, obviously. Um, right. But uh, speaking of people you work with well together, why do you think you and Sky Zoo are such a good fit together? Um, you know, it's just you can't you can't really pinpoint synergy. You can't really put a finger on you know compatibility and, and chemistry. You just have it. You know what I'm saying? Like I walk in a room, I sat down with. A million MCs before I met Sky Zoo and a million after, but he and I just have that. You know, we just got that thing. You know, we both Brooklyn. You know, yeah. I'm a couple years older than him, but, you know, we grew up in the same time. And, you know, we got a lot of the same likes and just, you know, he got a bed style feel to it. I got a Coney Owl feel to it. But, you know, I think it, it, it meshes together well. And when people hear us on records together, they want to hear us on more records together. Yeah, you know, so. it was great that you were able to do an album. Because, like, I heard of both of you originally on Click just because yeah. you're downloading everything with DJ Premier at the time. so Of course, of course. And so um, it's cool to see that you guys kept working together and were able to do an album. And, um, right. Because people have been asking since then. And at that point, neither one of us were really established as solo artists. And, yeah. you know, it's like, I'm not trying to jump in a group right now. I'm trying to do me. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So, but yeah. we kept working together. And we knew people wanted it. And, and fortunately enough, when we were able to, kind of sit down and had time to do it together people still cared and you know it was a it was a it was a very dope album from from, from 2014 and i think it's good that you guys like kind of kept solo identities and never really formed much of a group early on because i think it let both of you do your own things work with exactly different producers and stuff like that and kind of come together um so i'm a video game developer which i don't know if you know that um and in video games we have lots of sales, lots of discounts, and a lot of the money is made during those sales and discounts. Like you might make more money putting your thing seventy five percent off a year later than you do at launch. Oh and, wow! And uh, I was and and it's about visibility because it's like you get on the front of the stores and different platforms and stuff like that. And I always wondered like why is there not a lot of like do you think music discounts would help sales? Because I'm always like I'd buy a whole catalog of like I'd buy a discography for twenty dollars of any person I know just to kind of fill that collection. But um, 
I noticed there's not really a lot of incentives to pre-order and not a lot of like sales or discounts in the music industry. And I was wondering if you thought that would be beneficial. Um, I'm pretty sure the mainstream and major level, major major label level, that they would be against it because you know they're trying to pick up every dollar they're trying to get. Um, for independent artists, that's actually something you know interesting to think about. You know, maybe putting your whole catalog together with you know some some extra some bonuses and and selling that at a discounted rate. You know, I'm sure you get a lot of people who, you know, who would, who would go out there and buy it and support it. That's that's a pretty dope idea. I do buy a lot of music. Like recently, when I when I buy stuff on my phone um i'll go buy like an album you know from four or five years ago and sometimes they're a little cheaper you know 7.99 6.99 you know so i find myself picking up stuff that i already have on cd or that i might have even on cassette you know Mm -hmm. but just buying it because i want it digitally in my phone yeah yeah definitely with the like whole complete an album thing where you buy the single like up front and then being able i think they've they've done a good job of like filling out that music collection um Have you ever done music for video games? Um, I've never done music specifically for video games, but I've had my music in video games. Would you ever be open to the idea of doing music for video games? Of course. Of course. You know, I think that um, so much of the revenue and ways that you can make revenue as an artist go way past going to the studio and writing a record and selling it. They're trying to sell it to somebody. You know, um, I just licensed something. Uh, I can't even say to, to who because it's not out there yet. But I just yeah. licensed a record, you know, this past week. Um, yesterday, a soundtrack came out with a song of mine on it from a new movie that's about to drop. So, you know, um, it's so many different ways. As long as you have ownership, and that's a big deal mm-hmm. for me, is like owning my music and my masters. As long as you have ownership, you can work out so many different deals and do things with music. You know, some people went from the artist space to being music directors for television programs or, yeah. you know, scoring the Grammys and, and yeah. shit like that. Or you look at a DJ Premier who scored um, the movie The Breaks that I'm in with Fonte. So, you know, it's it's a lot of different ways that you can make money and, and still stay true to making dope music as well. So mm-hmm. if you know what I need to do to start working in video games, you just say the word. When they get <laughs> yeah, I definitely will. Uh, if anybody needs a, a very, very good rapper. <laughs> yes, hit me. Hit yeah. me. Um, do you play video games at all? Not so much anymore. Um I probably the last video game system I bought, well, not including what I bought for my kids, but yeah. I think I was like Super Nintendo or something. Like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I never, I was like, I was, because I bought a computer early on. Like, I did have a computer early on. And back when I was, you know, like late teens, early 20s or whatever, the computers had the better graphics than the video game systems, yeah. especially if you had like the graphics card or whatever. So when I started buying like my first, uh, NBA 2Ks and all of that. I was buying the computer version and playing them on my computer with the joystick, as opposed to video game systems. So then I never got into Playstations, and you know now they up to what PlayStation 4 or some shit. Yeah, I mean PC is always like ahead of consoles graphically, and then right. As, I'm think, as I in, think right now this shit looks so real. My daughter be playing games. I be thinking she watching a movie on the thing. It looks, <laughs> so, it looks so good. Or when my son is playing basketball, I'm like, yo, it's a game on. He's like, nah, yo, I'm playing. Yeah. Um. Speaking of basketball, what are the Knicks' biggest problems? Everything. <laughs> if, you get, start, if you could get a good man. coach or a good point guard, what would it be? Um, 
That's a good question. Um, you know, I think the talent is only as good as the man who leads them into battle. You know, mm-hmm. because we've actually had some talented teams, even though we never had, like, you know, I mean, the, the Knicks definitely need a point guard. That's that's point blank period. You can't win in this league without a solid point guard. Um, but you also need a good coach. You need somebody who understands the, the, the personnel that he's working with and understands how to use them. And um, I thought that Coach Woodson, you know, had a pretty good grasp on how to use his guys until, uh, you know, towards the end of, of his time with New York. But, yeah, man, you know, having a rookie coach in, in this city and with all the expectations and, you know, with Melo being such a high-profile player, like, none of that shit made sense. Um, you know, I, I, I get I get what Phil was trying to do. I didn't think it was a good look from the beginning, and it didn't work out. Um, so now we got to see, man. It's a, it's a few good coaches out there. I think it kind of starts with Dolan, man. I'm not sure how much, you know, say so he still wants to have and what's happening with the organization, but it might be time for him to let those reins go and just let, you know, basketball people be basketball people. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Phil only coaching home game sounds like a bad yeah, idea. That's, that's stupid because you can't get, you know, you can't get a good feel for what, what, what you're going to be doing every night if you don't have your coach out there with you every night. And that also people play up in the garden. So like you're probably play, they probably have the hardest home schedule in the league because people just everybody, want to play there. Everybody wants to come and bust our ass at home and then go to the forty forty club. Well, I, I hope the uh, I hope the Knicks get Conley. I mean, I'm, I like Memphis, but if if Conley, yeah, yeah, no, I would definitely I would take Conley in a heartbeat. Take yeah. Conley in a heartbeat. Um, so one last somewhat silly question. Uh, my Wi-Fi router's name is like Wi-Fi for chocolate. And I was wondering if you've heard any like hip hop themed Wi-Fi names in your time. That's a really good question. I can't necessarily say that I have. I've seen some crazy ones, and I used to screenshot them on my phone and just post them, like you know, riding around and shit in your yeah. phone. I'll keep my phone on Wi-Fi, and you would just see like random ones pop like, up. I can hear you having sex or something like that, or it's <laughs> it's, it's directed to people. That's um, a good. That's a good one. Uh, I thought of some more. Uh, hip hop themed ones. Uh, built for Cuban Linksys. That's nice. Router. Uh, like pretty that. fly for a Wi Fi. I mean, that's pretty an offspring fly. song, but good. pretty good. good. And then Wi Fi F Baby, please say the baby. <laughs> please say the baby. That's good. Yeah. Those are all good. Uh, when we're on the road and we're in various hotels and the Wi Fi is shoddy, we just call it Li Fi. Do you guys do the fake names like the basketball players? Uh, no, have- normally, normally the um, the promoters book us, so they'll just put it'll, it'll be under their name. Okay, I'm not famous enough to have to hide from anybody, though. Though you do have the problem of like, it seems like it's your name. Yeah, my name is my name. Yeah. Like, like oh, uh, Pusha like- T and uh, who was that from The Wire? Uh, <laughs> uh, Marlo. Yeah. Um, so thanks for being on the question bus. Uh, any problem. more? Anything you want to plug? Social medias. At Torre on Twitter, on Instagram, uh, on mihente.com, all of that, man. Get at me. I'm just playing, not on mihente. But uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you for having me uh, yeah. on the bus. Thank you for not throwing me under the bus. It was a good time. Thank you for not throwing my Knicks under the bus. And uh, I appreciate, I appreciate the time. And again, thank you for supporting the Kickstarter and the music. Yeah, and good luck. hopefully some see some you in a BET cipher. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Let me start working on my verse right now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Bye. All right, man. Peace.